Sacramento. Hello, and welcome to the 916 Republic podcast. I'm your co-host, Scott. My other two co-hosts are not with me at the moment, but you will hear from them shortly. Today, we are interviewing Sacramento Republic FC midfielder, Andrew Wheeler Amenu. We'd like to thank Andrew for taking the time uh, and out of his busy day to speak with us. Uh, we talk about his time with Atlanta United, Atlanta United 2, uh, also Phoenix. We talk about uh, his his time at Harvard and how much he enjoyed uh, going there and playing there. We also talk a little bit of uh, his uh, youth academies and um, just kind of Andrew as a whole. Uh, you'll find that he's a very cerebral person. Um, he He definitely has thought out what he says. Um, we really enjoyed talking to him. It was only about a half an hour interview and it felt like it could have been another three hours. Uh, there was just so much there that we just didn't get to. If you have the chance to speak with Andrew, please take it. Uh, he's such a, a, a fun guy, such a, an interesting person to talk to. So, uh, just really quickly, we'd like to uh, just point out that we are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit, and Patreon. All of those are at 916 Republic. Um, also, leave a, a, a like and review of the show, whatever platform you are on, you are listening on. Uh, that really helps us out. And um, even though there are, you know, just odd things going on right now, um, we are still pumping out content for you guys. So we have about four or five interviews in the bank. We still have more schedu scheduled uh, to happen. So if you like these interviews, let us know. If you have interesting uh, ideas for us to tackle, uh, whether it be a, a game you think is funny, maybe something you heard on another podcast, or somebody that you would really like for us to interview, uh, let us know. DM us, email us at 916republic at gmail.com, um, and just just let us know what you're thinking. So, you know, we're it, it feels like we're going to be in this quarantine time for quite a while longer. So uh, any ideas that you guys have, please let us know. Um, with that being said, let me just quickly update you guys on what is going on in our lives. So Zach and Nolan and I are both uh, essential workers, uh, as, as it's been deemed. Um, and Zach's boss uh, recently left, so uh, left the, the job that Zach's at. So Zach is now doing his job and his boss's job. So he has been incredibly busy. And uh, we were talking just before we had uh, our couple of interviews this past week. And he was like, dude, I'm, I'm burnt. I'm, I'm feeling the stress and I'm feeling tired. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm feeling the same thing. Um, and, and Nolan is, uh, finishing up his, uh, his undergrad and he's, he's feeling the same thing. So we are stressed to the max right now with, uh, schooling. Uh, I'm wrapping up my master's and, um, we are just trying to survive, uh, Corona, the coronavirus outbreak and, and all of this, just trying to push through and get done what we need to get done. So, if sometimes podcasts come out a day late, uh, just know it's because we've been incredibly busy. You know, we we haven't just been at home uh, playing Xbox or, you know, video games all day. Although I am going to play uh, some Call of Duty with Hayden Partain here in a minute. Uh, so just, you know, be patient with us. And um, like we said, if you have any ideas for any shows, let us know. Well, uh, hopefully we'll see you guys soon, hopefully at some games uh, this year. And if not, you know, we're going to keep putting out as much content as we can. So, yeah, can't wait to see you guys soon.
All right, today we have the honor of being joined by current Sacramento Republic midfielder, Andrew Wheeler Aminu. Before the COVID-19 craziness, Andrew put in quite the shift against Pulsa FC and showed well during preseason training and friendlies. Before coming to Sacramento, Andrew played four years of college soccer at Harvard University. Uh, he was selected in the 2017 MLS Super Draft by the Atlanta United and has spent time playing for Atlanta United, Atlanta United 2, FC Tucson, and the Phoenix Rising. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you guys very much for having me. I appreciate it. No, yeah. Um, first off, we just wanted to get to know you a little bit as a player, um, get to know your history with the game. So first off, what sparked your interest in in soccer and what was your youth development like before you played in college? Uh, yeah, I grew up in Bellingham, Massachusetts, and my father is from Nigeria and he immigrated to this country in the mid eighties and he played soccer growing up his whole life. And so I, the way I look at that, I pretty much didn't have really, really didn't have a choice. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm thankful for that. Cause obviously I love soccer. Uh, so I started playing at four and played just in my town instructional leagues. And as I got older, eventually my parents looked to put me into uh, club teams and I spent my entire youth career with one club team. Uh, at the time, it was called Mass Premier Soccer. Uh, it later went on to become Global Premier Soccer, GPS. And they're a non-academy system. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be a part of the ODP program as well, which was really prominent when I was growing up. Um, I know it's not so much now as the academy, do uh, academy system dominates youth soccer in America, but... Um, I believe it's still around at least. And but when I was growing up, it was still very much so uh, the big thing. So I was fortunate enough to play on state teams and regional teams with, with that program. And I also played for my prep school that I went to from eighth to 12th grade, which was the Roxbury Latin school in, in West Roxbury, Massachusetts. And so that's, that's pretty much the, my background of playing um, up until college at Harvard and then being drafted. So yeah, you mentioned your time at Harvard uh, where you played your college soccer. Um, what made you choose Harvard over other schools? And when you decided to go play at Harvard, did you plan on going pro or was it just an opportunity that came up towards the end of your college career? Uh, yeah, I I never really like to say that I, I chose Harvard. I'm very much more <laughs> of the notion that Harvard chose me. Um, and I'm very grateful and fortunate for both uh, schooling education that I got there, but also the soccer education that I got there. I guess what interested me at Harvard was that certainly growing up, it was a priority of mine because my, my parents stressed education on me and it got to the point where, you know, I, I did what I did what they wanted me to do, but eventually like I took their ideals on as my own. And so their push and motivation for me to get a good education really became my own search and my own journey of, of wanting to pursue. Um, and so from an early age, like I knew I wanted to, I, I love soccer and I loved school. Um, and so I wanted to go to a college that could allow me to fulfill my dreams and, um, take advantage of my abilities, whatever they might be to the, to the fullest and high up on those lists are Ivy schools and, and great academic schools and institutions that have really good athletic programs too. So 
the Ivy Leagues were always something that I was very interested in. As you, When you're a kid, you don't know how obtainable things are. And then it seems as you get older, you realize how difficult things are to obtain. And then as you get closer, you're like, oh, maybe they are obtainable. We'll see what happens. I, I certainly did have Harvard very much so in mind, especially because I grew up with it, like in Massachusetts. I went to high school about 25 minutes away from Harvard. So I was just really fortunate that everything worked out and that they were interested in me the soccer program, but also the school thought that I'd be somebody that would add to the community, to the culture of, of Harvard University. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I was able to go there. So yeah, that was kind of like my goal going into it. And like I said, I'm, I'm very grateful that it worked out. Totally. And, and was your plan necessarily to, to go to Harvard and four years later get drafted into the MLS or did you have a plan after college? Like, did you, did you think that playing professional soccer was a legitimate option like going into your first year at college, of college? Yeah, so I, growing up again, I, I watched so much soccer growing up, especially with my father. And so from a young age, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Certainly very much so, like going into college, I still had that mindset. Uh, it was definitely at the forefront of my mind. I remember going to certain colleges and when Harvard became a possibility for me and, and talking to other colleges about it, I remember having some college coaches tell me like, oh, you don't want to go to the Ivy League because like, just the matter of the fact is like, there's not good enough competition and you won't be able to go pro from, from the Ivy League. I didn't necessarily take that as a challenge, but I was, I was like, I don't know if you are in the position to, to like say that about a player, just because there's so many factors other than just like just the one that he, that those coaches were looking at um, that determine your success. And obviously success is going to be determined how you measure it as well. So, or how you define it. Um, and so, Going into college, definitely still had professional soccer on my mind. And throughout college, that didn't change. I remember, you know, especially in a, at an institution like Harvard, as you go through it, people start job searching and getting internships and trying to prep for their life after college and set themselves up for good financial situations, especially. And you kind of start feeling the pressure, your peer pressure, and also the institutional pressure and societal pressure of, oh, well, you went to Harvard, you're expected to do X, Y, or Z. And it has to fit this mold because this is what society says that this type of graduate from this type of institution is supposed to do. And so, especially when I started getting become a sophomore and junior and then senior year when people started getting jobs, I was nervous because soccer and any professional sport is, it's so unpredictable. And there's not a lot of planning that goes into it. You just keep working and hoping that at the end of the, at the end of the road, like the, the end product of your work will, will result in some type of success. And so I had the one, I will say the one thing that did change as I went through in terms of like my goal for, for professional soccer is that when I was younger, again, when you're young, you like you dream big. And then as you get older and you lose a bit of that naivety and you gain some maturity, you start realizing the difference between realistic and lofty goals. And so when I was younger, I was like, I'm playing for Manchester United. No question about it. It's happening. <laughs> um, and I grew up close to New England Revolution Stadium, and they were good at the time when I was young. They were very good. They went to the finals in for three out of four years uh, during a stretch of time. And so I enjoyed going to those games and watching the refs play, but I was like, nah, like, it's not the same type of soccer. And I remember getting close to college and starting to like have it click in my mind, like, I'm probably not gonna play for Manchester United. 
my goal should probably be the MLS. And so then is when I started like really diving into learning about the history, like the history of the MLS, watching the MLS, watching the players, the type of players, what it takes to be successful in that league. And so that's, that's the way like my mindset in terms of professional soccer continued to transition through college. But the end goal was still always play professional in, in whatever capacity it, it like it appeared to me at that time. Uh, so then you've played in a PDO, which is now League Two. Uh, you've also played League One with Tucson, the championship with uh, Atlanta United and or Atlanta United Two and Sac Republic, and then you've played um, or at least uh, trained with. I, I can't remember if you um, got that many minutes with Atlanta United, but you were with the first team uh, for a few years in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the uh, the diversity of the the leagues? You know, really talking about. Um, the difference in a talent level, uh, the difference in maybe the professionality of, um, you know, League Two or between League One, League One between the championship, championship between uh, Major League Soccer. Could you just kind of talk about the differences or maybe the similarities between those leagues? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's actually something that I, I do take like pride in that I have played in all four leagues uh, as they now stand or as they're now, now known because USL League Two is just PDL. When, when I played in it. But I would say that from top to bottom, and this is how I, I view soccer in general, like there's there's talent everywhere. So from a player standpoint, yeah, I've played with people or I've seen people or know of people where you look at them and you're like, hmm, what are they doing down here? Like they should be in the MLS. But then I've also seen people and play with people and look to people, have conversations about people where it's like, hmm, what are they doing up here? They should maybe be in the USL. <laughs> and as you gain that knowledge, it's not a knock on any player or disrespect to any player. It just gives you more information on understanding the whole picture that sometimes it has more, to, not sometimes, often it has more to do, uh, it has a lot to do with other factors other than talent. And so I will say from a player standpoint, like the talent is all, that has always been there. It's just a matter of how well you can hone the talent, manifest it onto the field, keep it consistent. From a professional standpoint, I was really fortunate that in my PDL, I, my PDL coach in Seattle when I played there was actually ended up being my same coach in uh, Tucson last year. And those would be USL League uh, Two and League One. And the way he was. As a coach, I had I had such a high regard for him because he ran a very professional environment. So I was really fortunate in that regard that um, even though they were, you know, third and fourth division, so-called in the U.S., they were extremely professional. Um, since I've been here, so when I was with Phoenix, when I was when I played with Lane United Two, I think everybody in the USL for the most part, uh, from the setups to the players are very professional because we're like, we're all so close to MLS that it's still a very obtainable and realistic goal for a lot of us in our minds, I believe. And so I think that helps drive and like, including the coaches, including the the staffs, the front offices, like they know that if they can perform well in their roles, all of us know, if we can perform well in our roles in the second division, the first division isn't that far away. I think, you know, in, in terms of, Infrastructure, like it, it's un, it's undoubtable that you know MLS just has more money, and mm-hmm. I was really fortunate to be with you know arguably the best team over a two year period, over those two year periods that uh, 
period that I was there with Atlanta uh, in the league. And what a lot of people might not know is like I I traveled a lot with the first team. Like I, the only time I trained with the second team and played with trained with the second team was if I was going to be playing with them on the weekend. Um, and so I only played I think either ten or twelve games with Atlanta United too, and. A good maybe like half of those were on weekends where the first team didn't have games. I I was really fortunate to be a like a part of the first team and train with the first team every day. My by my second year, I was really fortunate to be making the 18 a lot. And so understanding what it understanding what it takes to win, I think, is very transferable across whatever level of uh, uh, whatever level of any industry that you're at, whether it's the top level or the bottom level, like knowing how to win, knowing how to succeed is a transferable goal, regardless of what level you're at. Um, but certainly seeing success at the highest level in this country, you realize like how smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter the margins get as you go up the, the ladder. Um, and so that's what I would say would be like the most noticeable difference for me is that that little extra care, that little extra fight, energy, push that you might have, it tends to be accumulated in guys that are close to the top, more so than guys that are middling or towards the uh, towards the bottom of the league level-wise. So then you said that there are sometimes other factors other than talent that maybe determine why a player doesn't uh, perform well or move up uh, to a higher league. What do you think might have been one of the factor or factors as to why you never really were given a solid opportunity to show your skills in Atlanta? Was it just uh, they were a new club and they weren't really willing to take risks on young players? Was it maybe something else? Uh, no, like guys in front of me were just better. And we won it like every week. <laughs> we we didn't lose. It was amazing. I remember. I can't remember if it was my first year or second year, but I remember my captain, Michael Parker, we were having a conversation. He told me that like, we had not lost consecutive games on the road ever. <laughs> and like in the MLS, like that's so difficult because of how long the distances are that you travel. Yeah. And he and he's a yeah for me he's an MLS legend. Like he's and he's an unbelievable player. Um. So he's been around the league a while. Like to be on a team that doesn't lose a game or win games consecutively is he was just like that's that's unheard of in the MLS. So for me, I I know like when I came in, I wasn't where I needed to be. And fortunately, the infrastructure that I had around me, the guys I was learning from, my coaching staff, like they said I I hope that what they saw was my work ethic and my mentality which allowed me to like to stay around the team and, and push to try to get better. Cause all I want, I, I want to be as much of a sponge as I could be. I just wanted to learn and get better. And I think that started showing itself towards the end of my first year. And then very much so in my second year. And I think I was rewarded for that, for showing that by being put in the 18 often with, with the first team. But at the end of the day, I can't be mad that my team wins by two, three goals every day. And then I'm not playing. Like, I, am I supposed to go to my coach and be like, listen, I'm better than the person that, that scored every weekend who's played in the I'm better than Miguel Amaron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, 
they were losing, maybe I have an argument. But my my team, I was forced to be a part of a winning team. So I yeah I I I don't I I never was upset. I was definitely frustrated because I wanted to play, but I was never angry like oh like I don't understand why I'm not playing. I I understood it. It was still frustrating, but I understood it. Yeah. So then you were a part of a team that won and part partially uh, they were winning because Joseph Martinez just only knows how to score 30 plus goals a season in major league soccer. He is hurt right now, but I've heard that Joseph is a bit of a character in the locker room. Do you have maybe a, a funny uh, Joseph Martinez story or interaction with him? Oh, a specific one. Uh, I mean, it could be whatever you want. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, Joseph Marti, I, I have so much, like, respect and appreciation for him as a, as a player and, and as a person. Um, I think the thing I'll say most about him, like, is he, he's consistent. And that's, I think, a quality that I appreciate most in people in general. Like, when you are genuinely yourself, when you're not trying to be fake um, or mislead people or misrepresent yourself, when you honestly just, no matter if you, no matter if you're a, a nice person or a mean person, I just want you to be genuinely that. For Joseph, he was a passionate person, and passion manifests itself in many different ways. And I always used to, I always used to look at players like him and be like, in order to be that good, in order to be that successful, do I need to like? Do I do I need to be able to get angrier, get like do, do bring out more emotion in myself so that I can reach those levels? And fortunately, because of some of the players that I did get to play with, like I found that not necessarily to be the case all the time. But I won't argue that that certainly is something that helps because for you to be able to get into your own mind and convince yourself, like if I don't score, I don't eat. If I don't score, I don't do like. When you can attach achieving a goal to something that's so vital to your to your being, or it, it's you start to understand why you can achieve those things because you view it as ultimatum. You view it as black and white. You don't view it on spectrums. And so, I would say for for Joseph, one of my favorite stories is like like we've seen him we've seen him kick posts in games. I'll never forget in like he definitely he hurt himself doing it one time. Just like bruised his bruised his foot pretty badly where like he has a limp. And fortunately our our trainers were great there in Atlanta and like they but like he wouldn't miss practices. He would just kind of like go through the best he can. But it, no matter what happened during practice, when it came to finishing, it was like that mentality switched on again. And I'll never forget like a week the week after he had done that in the game and had all the treatment it was probably like midweek, like on a Wednesday, and he missed a goal from across. And he went and like, and he went and like kicked uh, a container of water with the <laughs> that he just heard. And I was just sitting there like laughing. I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but in the moment, like he's not. All he's thinking about is this goal helps my team win, helps me achieve success that I want to achieve. Like. He is so singularly focused on scoring goals to provide, like, to continue to achieve his job 
and perform at the highest level for his job, for his team to succeed, that everything else falls by the wayside. So that's like that's like a micro microcosm of of what his personality is as a whole. But like I said, he's so consistently him that there's nothing I, I like. I'd ask him, I'd never ask him to change and be like, oh, he's this or that. Like he's just he's consistently himself. And if if you get to know him, just like anybody, if you're consistently and genuinely yourself, that's that's who you are for better or for worse. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you mentioned guys like Joseph Martinez or Miguel Amaron that you played with in Atlanta. Um, but there's also like you've been around the the top division in the US and there's a cool picture of you on Google going in for a tackle on Fashion like Fashion Schweinsteiger. And I was just wondering, like, what's it like in that moment? Or what are you thinking? Like, are you thinking, oh my gosh, I'm I'm tackling a World Cup champion? Or are you just thinking of him as another guy on the field that um that you're trying to account for uh and get through the game? Yeah, what's going through your mind in those moments? Yeah, I like it's it's funny. I like I remember that game so well. I was um, I, I so I was marking him on corners in the game. And was probably the first quarter of the game was like in like maybe like the twentieth minute, and I'm marking him, and I'm I'm tight on him, I'm tight on him, and all of a sudden the like, cross comes in, and I'm watching him, but somehow like I I just wasn't looking at the ball the way I should have been, and I was like, <laughs> me, no problem. The ball like falls right over my shoulder, and he half volleys it, and fortunately my goalkeeper was at the back post, but all I was thinking was like. Yeah, what am I supposed to do? Like, I was right off. Like, how did you get off? But I know the picture you're talking about, and it's funny because we went into halftime of that game and it was tied. And I remember my coach, Tata Martino, saying, like, he was talking to the midfielders and he was like, you guys are doing well, but you got to try to get more pressure on the ball. And so I remember there was a throw in early in the second half. And I, I like I was like, all right, I'm getting more pressure on the ball, no problem. And it came bouncing into to Bastian Schweinsteiger. And I just he he put his leg up to get it and I kicked through him. <laughs> and all of the thing was like, and I helped him up and I was really happy. I was like, oh man, I'm helping out Bastion Schweinsteiger right now. I'm like, oh, <laughs> but in the back of my mind, I was like, nah, I just kicked the crap out of Bastion, like <laughs> That's crazy. Um so in moments when the game stops, you think about it, but in real time, I I, I didn't really. But like when my goalkeeper had the ball in, my, in his hands, I was like, oh, damn. All right, bring me back to the game. So you get those like brief seconds, but and, I mean, and they, in my opinion, you know, guys will have different opinions on the matter. But for me, like I, they deserve that respect and and that recognition because of what they people like that, what they've accomplished in their careers and. The, t- the quality of player they are. So, yeah, yeah, that's super cool, Andrew. If we could just kind of pivot a little bit here, um, I just want to say, like, uh, so going kind of through this past preseason, especially in that last preseason game, um, and our first regular season game here in Sacramento, um, I think for all of us, we were very impressed uh, with your play. I think at one point we were kind of saying to each other, you know, maybe. Sacramento has finally found that replacement for Jeremy Hall, um, a physical, a tough defensive midfielder, the great, you know, great passer. You showed those qualities, showed a lot of like just organizational grunt work, you know, a lot of like high energy, um, good decisions were made. I think 
in the in that like first preseason game. So like one kudos on you. Um, nice job. It was a good couple games. Uh, but for you, like, what were your thoughts on that first game? You know, just how has it been for you in Sacramento? Um, kind of through preseason and into that that kind of first game. Yeah. Um, well, I, I appreciate the the kind remarks. Um, so thank you for sure. Um, I've, I've actually I've heard a lot of good things about Jeremy Hall as a player, um, and so I, I think I, I, that's something that I, I appreciate the the comparison because, I, like I said, I've heard good things about him. Um, I don't oh, know sure. him personally, ever watch him play, but I know that people have a lot of respect for him as a player, and so I'm, I'm grateful for those comparisons. I think, I, like I've, I, I'll tell you, for my first time here. On the first day here, the first week of training, I was calling, I was calling my friends, talking to my friends back home, or my parents, my, my siblings, my family. Like I was telling, I would tell them I had more fun in the first two weeks of preseason this year than I had the majority of my season last year. Nice, that's um, good. Good to hear. Uh, I, like, I've got nothing but good things to say about the organization, the character, the level, the character of the guys on the team the coaching staff, the front office, everyone that I've dealt with in this organization, the character, the character has been so high. Transparency has been there very much. So, and I, transparency is something that I always stress that I strive for in my, in my relationships with any person. And I'm so grateful to be a part of an organization that has that transparency in, in my opinion, and at least in my interactions with people. So yeah, in regards to the environment and everything, I, I've got nothing but high high remarks for for everything I've experienced, and it's helped make my transition to Sacramento seamless. I I'm nice. not a very like in high school we used to have this term called no frills, which I guess the lacrosse players uh, really started because of like the fraying on the when they burn the edges of their. Um, of the lacrosse net on on their stick, the ends that get burned off are called like frills, and you don't want those because for whatever reason. But it became like this like motto of like no frills, like no problems, no stress. Yeah. And I consider myself to be a very like no frills type of person, and so to have that seamless transition kind of it, it just went along well with like my personality that at least I believe that I have of myself. So it, it was really it was a really nice transition to Sacramento, um, and then being a part, being on the field and playing with guys. I'll tell you, like I've never, I've never played significantly, uh, like been been a, a starting member of a team and um, and contributed heavily to a team where my center mid partner was fitter than I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Scott um, was pretty fit. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And like I, I pride myself on being super fit. Uh, because I know that's really important to how I want to play my game. And yeah. the pleasure I have in playing with a midfield partner who wants to do the exact same type of work as me. Yeah. It 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 motivates me, it pushes me forward. Like I am definitely more comfortable being a distributor and breaking up play deeper and deep, like deeper in the midfield. Um, and Drew's ability to get to the edge of the box and back. Yeah. I'm like, man, I can do that too. And then I do it a few times. And I'm like, yo, how do you do this so much? <laughs> but 
it's 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 a pleasure to play with people like that. Um, and speaking from my like my position, my the center mid position on this team, I have such a high regard for the center midfielders. Now, leaving out like the the tens between me, Drew, Jaime, and Roro. Yeah, like the quality that these guys have. It's 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 a joy to play with. Like I honestly believe, like Roro is the best passer I've ever played with. Like his his vision and and weight of pass when he plays through balls is is incredible. And Jaime's cleanliness and tidiness and tight areas and and the cleanness of his feet. Again, it's it's incredible. And so I, when I say like I, I like playing with a midfield partner, I've already learned so much from those three guys and trying to bring whatever I can from their game into mine. Um, and the competition we have in that midfield spot, I think is, is amazing for achieving success on the field, because I think we're all, we're all quality players and pushing uh, each other forward. Um, so that, like I, I briefly said it, but how I see myself as as a midfielder is I like I love to organize, I love to talk, I love to break up play, and I like to keep things simple, um, and and drive forward when I can. But that's probably at like the edge of my list. Um, those first few things that I said about keeping the structure of my team and and shielding my back line, like that's those are the priorities for me. And so I'm fortunate enough to be right now or was two two months ago. Yeah. Um, as, as, as this pandemic has continued, I was fortunate enough to be in that time in a place where uh, I felt like the coaches knew what uh, my skill set were and wanted to utilize uh, what, it, what it was or what it is. Yeah, that's really cool. Totally. Well, hey, we're reaching the 30-minute uh, the mark on this interview, but um, Andrew, man, it's been so great to get to talk with you, get to know you a little better and hear your perspective on the first part of this season and yeah we really appreciate your time oh thank you guys very much honestly i i, I appreciate stuff like this i love conversation so i'm, I'm grateful to <laughs> yeah dude we look no, forward yeah. to to coming back and seeing that that wonderful midfield um take shape yet again for sure yeah thank you so much man all right thank you guys hey guys this is scott um, if you don't know, the team is doing a lot of incredible things during this pandemic. One of the things they are doing is selling scarves and sending all the proceeds uh, to Rayleigh's. So by purchasing a scarf, supporters will be fundraising the Rayleigh's ready-to-eat meals bag to deliver to a senior in the capital region. 100% of the net proceeds will be used to immediately support the 42,000 food insecure seniors in the region. The scarf is now available at the club's online team store, shop.sacrepublicfc.com. The link will be in the description. In addition to the scarf proceeds, Republic FC will also direct 15% of all online sales through April to Rayleigh's Food and Families in order to purchase more bags to be delivered. So go buy a scarf. We at the 916 Republic have bought a scarf. We are doing our part to help out. We encourage you to do your part and you'll have not only a cool scarf, but a cool memory that you helped someone in need through supporting your uh, favorite football club. So we encourage you to do that as we have done so. Thank you so much for helping out. Thank you for all that you guys are doing, both at the team and as a fan base.
Can't wait to see you guys soon. Take care.